0: This message is part of the teaching provided by House on the Rock Fellowship, a church caring for the Miami Valley region. Before you listen, be sure to access the notes in the download section of the message page. Have a Bible ready. Thank you for being our guest. How many of you we could guess your profession or your habit of life just by looking at your car? If I were to go out to your car, whether what's on the car or in the car, I might get a pretty good idea how you spend a good chunk of your time. Some of you, that's true. Maybe there's a, a decal on the car. Maybe there's a toolbox in the car. Maybe there's a, a lanyard from a company. Maybe there's scrubs in the back. Maybe there's tools or equipment. Or maybe a habit. A habit. I was thinking about this as we were getting groceries loaded into the back of our car on Friday. If you put up the hatch of our car and you look in there, you could probably guess how we spend a lot of our time. There's not one chair. There's two types of chairs. There's lawn chairs and there's stadium chairs. There's not one type of boot. There's two types of boots. There are high water galoshes and there's winter fuzzy boots. There's heavy outdoor winter blankets, there are coats. You might start to think, these are people that spend a lot of time in lots of different kinds of weather. And then you would see cases of Propel and sports drinks and cases of water. And then you would see soccer balls and and smelly socks. You're like, ah, soccer family. Definitely soccer family. What you would also find are cases of Hot hands. You guys know what hot hands are? Some of my hunting buddies know what hot hands are. These things are awesome. Martha, can I get an amen? amen. Yeah, she, she came in. Her hands were cold. I said, sweetheart, hold on a second. I got something for you because I've got hot hands. Oh, yeah, Terry's got a hot hand right there too. Woo, woo. Points for you, brother. Well done. Nice job. That's that's a husband. That's a good... Yeah, all right. I'm going to write that move down. That was nice. Yeah, no matter the weather, this this will make a difference. You can tell looking at a soccer fan whether or not they have hot hands or not. Because some will just be grumpy and miserable. And they'll be like, get this game over with. That ref makes one more call. But the ones who have hot hands, they're like, hmm Maybe they put the hot hands inside of their gloves. Maybe my wife, should will put some in her boots. Maybe you got them in their pockets. It's amazing the difference that hot hands make. It can be freezing out. It can be a storming out. It can be raging out, but I got hot hands. I'm good to go. I can make it through. We're okay. We're okay. Do you know you can have spiritual hot hands too? Despite the storm, despite how cold it is around you, Despite the weather that you are going through, you can have hot hands. You can have a different type of outlook. Some people are like this baptized in vinegar. But no, you're like, we're good. We got this. I want to talk to you about hot hands today as we continue our Advent series. Some of you are like, I have no idea where he's going. You should, if you know what this is, if you know what that is. We began our Advent series with a challenge. Could we spend some time together that's both meaningful and memorable? While the world is ramping up chaos and dreary and weary and doubt, could we do something together as a people of God that's both meaningful and memorable? Not getting caught up in lesser things, but being consumed by meaningful, heavy, weightier matters. And doing it in a memorable way, a way that will change us and transform us. Maybe practicing some habits. Maybe it's reading scripture on a daily basis and you've been going through a reading log. Maybe it's slowing down three times a day for silence and prayer, getting on your knees just to be present before the Lord. Maybe it's learning to pick up scripture before you pick up your screens in the morning. How many of you are trying that? Some of you trying that? Yeah, it'll get to you. It'll get to you. It'll change things. How many of you could do better at that? That's interesting. The exact same hands went up. This is gonna be an interesting morning. Maybe it's lighting a candle bringing your family into the Advent story, doing things in a meaningful and a memorable way, slowing down this season. That's not easy to do. So we said we needed a guide to help us this Advent. And so we're letting a man named Zechariah be our guide. Zechariah was an old man, a priest, a pastor, in communities surrounding Jerusalem, one of Israel's priests, And he's given a challenge and an introduction by God into a story. And he doesn't handle it the best of his ability. But through the course of it, he shares with us a message. Let's look at it again. This is in Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79. The verses will be up on the screen if you're following along there or you're watching online. Thank you for doing that. Or maybe you brought a Bible with you, which I think is super cool and awesome. A big fan of that. I want to read it for us. This is Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79. You follow along in your copy. A place where maybe you can write notes and circle things. Luke chapter 1, 67 through 79. And if you've been with us for the last few weeks, maybe you can, as I go through this, start to hear echoes and melodies of things that we've talked about in previous weeks. Let it be meaningful, let it be memorable. Starting in verse 67 of Luke chapter 1. And his father, Zechariah, this is talking about John the Baptist, was filled with the Holy Spirit and he prophesied. To prophesy means to share God's message saying, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he's visited and redeemed his people. He's raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to show the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, meaning John the Baptist, There's a lot there in that one section. It can be really hard to maneuver it. So, we've been breaking it down week by week. First, we highlighted hope. We lit a candle for hope. This is Jesus' sunrise in the middle of darkness. Hope means that Jesus is coming and he will come. We're holding on to the promises first seen in the fathers of the faith. It talks about Abraham, these oaths, these covenants, light in the darkness. In the midst of famine, if you weren't able to be with us that week, you can go listen to him online. Last week we talked about love and we lit a candle for for love. Jesus' devotion to those who are in exile. Exile is a big theme in the Bible, if we remember correctly. Exile is where I end up when I choose my way, a sinful way, over God's way and God's direction. It leads me into exile, separation, isolation from God and his people and his place. This is what happened to Israel in the Old Testament. But God in his love will send prophets. Prophets who lay the way. Hey, if you go down that path, it's going to lead to that place. Prophets who also say, hey, if you come back, let's go this way. In his devotion, God send the Redeemer to pay the price for us. For he has visited and redeemed his people. We talked about love, but today, hot hands. Hot hands. There we go. Boys raising the roof. All right, that's awesome. Did your dad teach you how to do that? (laughs) Hot hands. Let's talk about joy. Let's talk about joy. If you'll notice in an Advent wreath, if you have them at home or you've seen them in liturgical spaces or churches, the candle for joy is a different color. It's often pink tie someone asked me last week are you going to wear your pink my pink vestments this is about as close to vestments as this priest is ever going to get it would make dressing on sunday easier if i wore a gown or robe but i don't think my wife would dig it pink because there's something different about joy There's something unique about joy. that, In the season of darkness, we talk about hope and we talk about peace and we talk about love. And there can be a sobriety about those elements. But thrust into that is the Christian presence of joy, which confounds the world if we're doing it right. It makes no sense to them. That in the midst of darkness, we can sing. That we have hope. And we share it with joy. We know love and we sing it with boldness. It's hot hands. It's hot hands. So let's unpack joy this morning. Okay? So in, in your notes, if you open them up, there's a place to fill some things in. I find it helpful for me as I'm studying something just to write things down. That way it's a little bit more memorable. Uh, some things that are meaningful in the course of the message. It's not a sign of weakness to write something down. Okay? It's a sign of of being a good student. Joy is, write this down, to warm with Jesus' deliverance despite my circumstance. Joy means to warm with Jesus' deliverance despite my circumstance. This passage is all about joy. It radiates the warmth of joy. Zechariah, it says, filled with the Holy Spirit, cries out, proclaims out, blessed be the Lord God of Israel who has visited and redeemed his people. To bless means to to speak out, to, to praise God. But you're like, Paul, we've read this passage for a month now. It doesn't say the word joy anywhere. You're making it up. There's no joy in this passage. How can you say that? Well, I want you to use some common sense for a second, if you would, please. We're talking about an old man who's married to an old woman who's longed to have a child and has given a child out of God's promise. We're talking about a delivery day where a miraculous baby is born. We're talking about an entire village that's come out to see this amazing thing that's being talked about, the priest that lost his voice and got his voice back. We're talking about a man who's proclaiming at the top of his lungs, Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. He's visited and redeemed his people. And you're telling me there's no joy? You might not be able to see joy, but you can feel joy. Because joy is what you feel. It's what it means to be warmed by the deliverance of God. He's overflowed by the Spirit. Look at that passage again. Can't you feel the joy? Can't you feel the joy? Maybe, maybe we gotta, gotta jumpstart this engine a little bit. I want you to remember your own experience, your own life, okay? Think when a child was born. Go to that place now in your imagination, in your memory. When that child was born, you held your child for the first time, held a grandchild for the first time. Maybe it's remembering your baptism. Maybe it's a moment of repentance or a moment of healing in your life. Maybe it's a marriage. Can you go to that place right now? Can you feel that? Can you feel that? That's joy. It's to warm with God's deliverance, despite your current circumstance. You could have had the worst week of weeks this week, but you can still warm with God's deliverance. That, that's joy. So let's unpack that a little bit this morning. Some key thoughts. We're going to look at some verses together. One of the key thoughts as we think about joy is this. Joy is in Jesus. It's not in the circumstances of life. It can be freezing on the outside. It can still be warm within. Hot hands. Okay. We read a psalm together, Psalm 16, as our gathering was beginning. And Psalm 16, verse 11, closes with this You make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. Joy is coming into his presence. That's where it's located. That's where it's at. Now, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. He is all places. So it's not so much I'm going into that place as much as it is me being aware of the presence that is. I am being intentional to recognize I am in God's presence in that there is fullness of joy. That means that joy is a choice. I think that's really important. Joy is a choice. The choice to rejoice. Let me show you a passage in Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk chapter 3. It's a tough one to find. You're going to find it. You can do it. Okay, it's in the Old Testament. It's towards the end of the Old Testament. Some, a lot of your Bibles will have a table of contents. That might be one of those times where you bust out the table. It's not like Isaiah or the Psalms, where you can kind of just, "Oh, I hit it," because there's like 60 million chapters in that book. Habakkuk's only got three—real, real tiny book of prophecy. Towards the end of the Old Testament, surrounded by some really weird names, Habakkuk. Habakkuk. And Habakkuk is a messenger of God who shares God's message to a people who are overwhelmed with bad. Going into and walking in exile as foreign armies lay waste to the landscape and lay waste to the government and their personal experience. It's bad all over the place. But what does God do when he loves us? God sends prophets. God sends prophets to share God's message. In Habakkuk chapter 3, 17 through 19, Hey, maybe you're fumbling through pages and like, I don't think I didn't, even, I didn't even know this was in the book. That's okay. Nuggets all over. Nuggets all over. Habakkuk 3. I think Nikki's going to have them up. There you go. She's awesome. She's got you back. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19. Let me read it for you. He's going to talk about the current circumstances and then he's going to talk about a commitment that he makes. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail... And the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread upon the high places. Focusing on the middle of that passage in, in verse 18. I want you to see uh, two big ideas. First he says, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will. Okay, that's written in such a way that it's talking about a deep longing desire. He longs to express joy in God. Because even though that's failing and that's failing and that's failing, even though that's broken and that's jacked up and that didn't go right, What I want to do, he says, I want to praise God. I want to bless God. He says, That's what I desire to do. He says, I will take joy in God and the God of my salvation. I'm going to take it. I'm going to cling to it. I'm I'm going to wrap myself up in it. In what? To joy there means to shout, to go around excited. So the economy bad. Government failed. Team lost. Job, whatever. The prophet says, compounding on compounding and compounding and compounding tragedy and tyranny and disappointment. But what I'm going to do is, I will commit myself. I will choose joy. The choice to rejoice. What you don't see in this passage is anyone playing a victim card at all. We don't play victim cards. Oh, because of my circumstances this, because of my situation it's this. Despite of all of those things, The prophet stands up and maybe with tears of sadness flowing down his cheek, still makes the commitment I will take joy. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Hot hands. Hey, Paul, that's that feels like a stretch. That, that feels hard. Things were rough this week. Things were bad. And you want me to have joy. You're commanded to have joy. What are the things that fuel joy? If you were to go out to my car, which isn't parked very well... Um, which someone pointed out to me. Someone walked up to me this morning. Were you drunk when you pulled in this morning? I'm like, no, I just parked the car. You could go to the glove compartment and you're going to find hot hands. You can look underneath the seats, you'll find hot hands. You can look in the back seat, you're going to find hot hands. You're going to find cases of hot hands. Used hot hands, not used hot hands. They're all over the place. It's not hard to look. The same thing for you. When it comes to walking in a life of joy... Just three easy places to look. The first one is this, that he has delivered. Write that down. I look back on the fact that, yes, God has delivered. He has delivered. The exodus of Egypt should be ringing in our ears. It was ringing in Zechariah as he wrote this passage, as he proclaimed this message. It's, It's full of the melody of Exodus. A couple of weeks ago we talked about famine, we talked about exile. And exile, that, that, that's when I am stuck in a situation created by my own sinfulness and foolishness. But this passage also rings of Exodus in Egypt. The idea of visited, God has visited his people. That's the language that, that Israel used when they found out that God was going to see them and come to them in their slavery and bondage. Oh, he has visited his people. That means God has seen and entered into our story in such a way that God wants to help. In, in chapter 1, verse 74, uh, where Zechariah says, That we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear. That was the message that Moses gave to Pharaoh. That was the drive to take Israel out to God's mountain to serve him and be before God's presence in righteousness and holiness. <coughs> this passage is all about Exodus. But what you need to understand, and this is the tension between Egypt and exile, okay? Exile, last week we talked about, that's when I'm in a place because of my own sinfulness. I got myself in a mess, yep. I tanked my finances because I did it my way, yep. I ruined my marriage because, yep. I'm in this place because I, yes, yes, exile. Exile. Egypt is different. To talk about Egypt, and that's what we want to focus on this week, not exile, Egypt. Egypt is about circumstances and enslavement that's beyond my cause or my control. As we think about Egypt and your current experience of life, think about those circumstances and enslavements that are beyond your cause or control. Let me give you an example. You get a diagnosis. You are now bound to something. Chained to something that you did not cause, nor do you have control over it. And it might very well riddle your body. Despite everything that you want. Okay, now we're talking. That's now we're talking about Egypt. Maybe it's an abusive relationship that you are bound to. It's outside of your cause. It's outside of your control. That's Egypt. Maybe it's a work challenge that you have, work environment that you're in, a crisis that you're going through. It's not something you've created. It's because you live in a broken, fallen world. It's because you're a follower of God and there's things that are kind of out to get you. You are experiencing circumstances and enslavements that are beyond your cause or control. You didn't choose these. But you can still make the choice to rejoice. Now we're talking about Egypt. And maybe for you, you know what I'm talking about. You, you can identify. When I you say, hey, fill in Egypt, fill in the blank. You can go, da 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 da. Okay. For Israel, they were constantly being anchored in the fact that God was a delivering God. We d- we'll walked through the Ten Commandments a couple months ago. And if you remember, that whole passage anchors on what fact. God says, I am the God who led you out of Egypt. I am the God who delivered you. He introduces himself to God's people as the one who delivers. And Zechariah, again, is re-anchoring his family, his story, the advent, and the fact that God has delivered. We've seen it in the past. Israel looked back to the Exodus. We look to the cross. He has delivered. How many of you find joy in remembering that Jesus has delivered you? yeah thank you some of you for raising your hands that's awesome hot hands hot hands oh linda's got real hot hands oh martha you got hot hands you got real i only gave you one i gave the other one to audrey don't take it from her (laughs) oh uh, there you go yeah so the we he has delivered and that gives us joy You can have a terrible week, but I can come before God's presence. I can commit. I can make the choice to rejoice in remembering he has delivered. Okay? That's a source that fuels joy. Here's the second one. He may deliver today. He may deliver. He may do it today. It's because of who God is the nature of his being, his devotion to me, I know it's a very real reality that the Egypt that I'm going through right now and what has bound me and chained me up, I know it's quite possible God could deliver me today. I have a current Egypt. I need a modern exodus. But here's the challenge. Some of our traditions don't think to seek God's deliverance today. They don't talk in present tense that God could heal you today, that God could deliver you today. They're chosen, frozen. Us four, no more, shut the door and let it pour kind of faith. Baptize in vinegar. An over-inflated and conflated view of God's sovereignty. Okay? Bad theology. Bad theology. We can put them on one side of the spectrum. Okay? They don't think to ask for God's deliverance. While there's other traditions on the other side of the spectrum. All you gotta do is name it and claim it. Right? Theology comes riding in on unicorns and fuzzy kittens. And a free jet. All you got to do is name it and claim it, and your healing is there. Yeah, I was watching one preacher. I get these YouTube videos because <laughs> it entertains me. And he was just he was walking around the sanctuary. He, just, his, he had real hot hands, apparently. And he was, just, he was just doing this thing, and he was running up and down the aisles. And he was just slapping people all over the place. Of course, you slap someone, they fall down. And he was just because he had real hot hands, and everyone was getting delivered right there on the spot. How many of you have asked God to deliver you, and it hasn't happened? How many of you have asked God to set you free from something and he didn't do it? Raise your hand. Yeah. Because that's a fact. You can name it and claim it all you want. And so we live in this tension that we must recognize. It's a mystery. It's the silence and the fury of God that I live in this place where He has delivered and He may deliver. But is it a broken book if He doesn't? Or am I a broken person because He didn't? Do I not have enough faith? Did I not give enough seed money to get my answer? Let's talk about the fact that he may deliver. Why hasn't God helped me today? There's a corporate aspect to our reality that we need to develop a little bit. We have a very individualized, self-centered view of reality. Okay? And so we feel very free to make the statement, God will save me today. In Matthew chapter 2 is a story within the Christmas story that no one likes to preach about or talk about, but I think it's really, really important. I want you to look at it with me. In Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Matthew chapter 2, 16 to 18 Matthew two, sixteen to eighteen. A little bit of a context, just so you kind of understand we were, where we are in the, in the Christmas narrative. This is after the shepherds, and this is sometime after baby's birth. And now wise men have come from the east. They have seen the portents of the stars, and they've read the signs and the passages that point to a new king being born in Judah, the Lion of Judah. They have traveled over desert, and they have come to Jerusalem to see the newborn king. And they ask Herod, where's the new king born? He's like, excuse me? Yeah, we've read it. We've seen his star. We've he, New king born. He calls the scribes. The scribes come in. They open up the passages. They're looking. They're going through Isaiah. They're going through Micah. Oh, absolutely, you're right. Born in Bethlehem. Born in Bethlehem. He sends the wise men. He sends the magi. With the instruction, that, hey, when you find said baby... You come get me so I can worship him too. Wise men travel. They find Bethlehem six miles outside of Jerusalem. They rejoice in seeing the star. They rejoice in finding the child with the mother. They give gifts. And then in a moment of divine discernment say, we should probably not tell Herod. And they go home another way. Herod realizing that he has been duped. We read this. Matthew 2, 16 through 18. Then Herod, when he saw that he had been tricked by the wise men, became furious. And he sent and killed all the male children in Bethlehem. And in all that region, who were two years old or under, according to the time that had been ascertained from the wise men, Then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in loud lamentation, Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. What we need to see is A very, very dark tension that's, I believe, true to the Christian faith. Okay? But we're gonna need all of us to work it out together, okay? Brandon, and you and Jackie and Lance stand up for me, please. You're gonna be the holy family. Our own Joseph, Mary, and Jesus in their beautiful Christmas sweaters. Uh, That's what I hear. hear Could you three just stand up here in the steps for me? Okay, this is the Holy Family right here. Okay. Yeah, you're the Savior of the world, Lance. Don't screw it up. Okay, this side over here, this, Violet, this is the part where they told you I'm walking around a lot. Violet's on the camera. She's like, seriously, stand still, big guy. With this side over here, would you guys stand up for me, please? Vani and all the way back, Ms. Martha and Audra, Dieters. Okay, you all represent the magi, the wise men. You're like, well, there's more than three. I know. Because <laughs> there was. Okay? You made a decision. You feeling the guidance and the deliverance of God have left the Holy Family, and you are going back a separate way. You are making the choice to not go back to Herod. Mr. Neal, would you stand up, please? This is because you got a fine beard, buddy. Okay, Neal's going to be Herod for us. Okay, I, I know, right? I, Why? Well, I know because because I can. Um, all right. So you are going. You have made a choice. You are going to go do something else. As a result. He's going to make a choice. He's going to make a decision. Hey. His decision is he's going to send his guards to Bethlehem. This section over here, would you guys all stand up, please? Would you all stand up? You are the troop, the legion, the cohort, whatever it is. We don't know how many. Maybe it's his whole praetorian guard from the tabernacle. Who knows? But you have been sent to Bethlehem. You've been charged to Bethlehem. You've gone to Bethlehem. You've gone to the region. And through the course of the whole night, you have gone house to house to house and you have laid waste the children of that area. You have slaughtered every single male infant child two years and younger. That's what you did. Okay. This section here, would you stand up? You're the children. You didn't have to stand up, Daniel. You're a trooper. That's awesome. Bad pastor. You're the children who were murdered. They went back another way. Herod sent them. And you're the ones who've lost their future at the hand of those swords. You will not become husbands and scholars and servants, whatever the stories might have been. You were not delivered. They were delivered. You weren't. You are the parents. You are the families. You are the relatives. Would you stand up, please? Could you three go up on the steps? Here is everyone touched by this moment in time. Why did he only save them? Who would say God is fair? Why did that baby boy get to live? And those ones didn't. How many of you have a question for God right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. But let me help you rise above it for a second. Everyone go ahead and sit down. Go ahead, guys. Thank you. Lance, good job. You saved the world. (laughs) Let's look at this moment honestly and from a sense of humanity, please. God, why didn't you save them today? To our guard, our soldiers who carried out the deed, would that affect you? Going house to house to house. Your sword dripping with the blood of innocent babies. Your mind riddled with the screams of broken mothers. Is that going to stay with you? You're going to take that home with you? Maybe your watch is over. Maybe your shift is over and you have done that through the whole night. You have gone house to house, street to street, region upon region within the Bethlehem area. That now consumes your reality. I mean, you weren't the best Jew, but you'll be the best soldier you possibly can. But you go home and you talk to your wife and she can see and you tell her because she's even holding your kid. And maybe in that moment, something starts to happen to you. You start to ask questions that you hadn't asked before. And you start searching in places you hadn't searched before. And maybe truth be told, God didn't save them today. Because he needed to save you. Is it possible? You're a relative. You're a neighbor. You didn't have a kid, but you knew the kid next door. It wasn't your child, but you knew the mom and you knew the father and you watched the soldiers go in and out. And you saw, you saw her holding the child. And so next Saturday, you do something that you haven't done in a long time. You go to the temple because you have questions. And you start asking. And you start opening. And you start reading. And you start saying. And you start praying. You start doing things that you haven't done in a long time. And then something starts to happen. Because God didn't save them today. Because God needed to save you. Is it possible? Yes, he may cure your cancer. He may save your marriage today. He may answer that prayer today. He may. Or he may not. Because through your choice to rejoice in the God who saves, he saves your doctor. Or the nursing staff. Or your spouse. Or your neighbor. And though he slay me, yet I will praise him. Oh, he may deliver. Absolutely. It's what he does. But in our love and excitement, he delivers me. We have to understand that that will not come at the expense of God saving the world. And maybe I will be the instrument of praise He will use to warm the heart of another sinner. He may deliver. And so we sing. We make the choice to rejoice. Can you feel that a little bit? Can you feel that a little bit? He has delivered. He may deliver. But this is what I know. He will deliver. He will deliver. Advent is the combination of two events laid one on top of the other. It's us looking at the coming of Christ in his Christmas advent. That appearing. Like Zechariah was looking to his coming. We look back in past tense to that. He has delivered. While at the same time, he will deliver. He is coming again. The king will return. Zechariah said, he has visited and redeemed his people. And we look to the second. I love the book of Revelation. How many of you guys like the book of Revelation? (laughs) Some of you skip it. I preached a whole series on it and you still skip it. You do your annual reading through the book of the Bible, like, nope. (laughs) Not getting lost in those weeds. Oh, but what does it say? Right from the beginning, blessed is the one who reads these things. Because it takes this reality and it puts it in living color. Because once you kind of get yourself through all the weird stuff that's going on, you get to the next last chapter of reality. And you see evil defeated. And tyrannous governments laid waste. And slavery done away with. And sin conquered. And death in chains. And heaven come to earth. Lots of us are just running around having rapture practice. We're just trying to get out of our problems, just jumping out. We've got to jump out of this. I can't wait till God gets me out. Got to get out of this. Oh, come today, Lord Jesus, get me out. Some singing praises, getting out of my problems. Can't wait to get out, just trying to jump out. When the book says no, I'm not going to hurt myself. What does the book say? you rejoice through your suffering and you long for his blessed appearing. Heaven come to earth. He's coming again. That's the climax. Why is it a new heaven and a new earth? Because the king has returned and he's set the prisoners free. That's why we pray, your kingdom Come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I was talking with one of our members and they were sharing their story and they were mad. And they had every reason to be mad. Compounding situation upon situation upon situation. More than any one soul should really have to bear in a lifetime, let alone in one week. The kind of situation where as a pastor, there's no, I have no pixie dust. I have no unicorns. I have no fuzzy kittens to make things better. Because it's bad. That's what it is. Let's not say it's fine when it's not. Okay? You want to see me snap as a pastor? Say it's fine when it's not. It's fine. No, it's not. It's broken. But I said to them, do you want to hear something weird? They're like, what? As tears are coming down their faces, they're clenching tissues in their hand. I said, believe it or not, you and I are going to have a moment in eternity future. I promise you, you and I will have a moment. We're going to be sitting around another table. And I'll have my tea. And you'll have your Coke. Looking back on today. And we're going to be like, wow. Who would have thought that's what he was going to do? And the moment, the week that we thought was the end of the world, was merely one word in one sentence of one paragraph, with so many blessed chapters to come. He will deliver. you feel that? Can you feel that a little bit? Can you feel that? Martha, can you feel that a little bit? Let's nail this down a little bit. The candle of joy, is uh, the pink candle, is sometimes called the shepherd's candle on Advent wreaths. The shepherd's candle. That story embodies joy. In many respects. Let me read it for you. This is Luke chapter 2, 8 through 11. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 11. This is Linus' passage. If you watch Charlie Brown Christmas. Okay, this is the point where he drops the blanket. If I had a blanket, I'd drop it. If you don't know anything about that Easter egg, then you just don't watch enough Charlie Brown. Luke chapter 2, 8 through 11. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. They were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for All the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Thank you for sharing your time with us. And we'd love for the journey to continue. If you're a guest, would you consider reaching out to us? We would love to come alongside and encourage you in any way that we can. If you're someone who's joined us today, and you are desperately reaching to find hope wherever you can. Again, Jesus came that we would find hope. You can find hope today. If you want to send us a short note, a member of our HOPE team would reach out quickly, promptly, to come alongside and see what we can do to encourage you in whatever storm you might find yourself in. That's why Jesus came. That's why we're here. Jesus said there's two ways to live your life. A wise man, a wise woman builds their life on Jesus' instructions.